0: The show's going to be amazing. woo Did you know that corn is so interesting? With its ears and its eyes and its husks and its hair. And it grows everywhere. Because it's corn, 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 corn. And we're not talking about the most recent popular TikTok meme about it has the juice. No, we're talking about just regular old-fashioned corn today on a bonus episode. Diana! Hey. Hey! Hello, Hainted Loves! <laughs> Welcome to Homespun Haints. I'm Becky. I'm Diana. And I hope that you are as pumped as we are to talk about the mystical, the magical, the mysterious properties of
1: <laughs> so much to say about corn man i feel like there could be a lot of puns in this episode unintentionally so let's just get out of the way do you know any corn corn corny corn jokes corny jokes about corn
0: oh about corn
1: yeah i don't know like for example how
0: much does a pirate pay for corn how much does a pirate pay for corn
1: a buccaneer <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only corny corn joke I know, which is kind of sad given the area of the country that I grew up in. I also grew corn as a little girl, not like in a cornfield, like on a farm, but like just a single corn stalk in my backyard, in my garden next to the strawberries and the peas.
0: I guess the biggest thing I know about corn is the lyrics to Rocky Top, which is one of our state anthems in Tennessee.
1: Rocky Top.
0: They play it at all the Vols games. So anyway, (laughs) here's a verse from Rocky Top. It goes, The corn won't grow at all on Rocky Top. Dirt's too rocky by far. That's why all them folks on Rocky Top get their corn from a jar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that is our state anthem, folks. That's an interesting theme. Anyway, the reason okay. we're talking about corn today is because we just had two back to back guests who had these really weird experiences in rural Iowa. And what do they have
1: in Iowa? Cornfields. It's the nation's leading corn producer. It is? Oh, as far cool. as I know. Yeah. Unless they all mow it down for baseball fields. Becky, do you have a ghost-shaped ghost mug? I do. I You do. have a ghost-shaped ghost mug. That's adorable. I got That's this adorable. in like
0: the dollar section of Target and I couldn't resist. He's so cute. It doesn't hold much, but it's perfect for my espresso.
1: <laughs> Target, if you'd like to sponsor Homespun Haints, just go to homespunhaints.com. We'll sign up for sponsorship because we are now sending all of our listeners there to buy this ghost-shaped ghost mug because it's the perfect size for espresso. It's so cute. Let's lighten the mood with another corn joke. Why don't you compliment corn?
0: I don't know, Diana.
1: It always just responds, "All shucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> also, why is there baby corn and popcorn, but no mama corn? I don't know. Food for thought. Please tell me. I don't know. Oh. Why? I want to know. Does anybody know?
0: There's no punchline.
1: That is the punchline. There's popcorn. There's baby corn. There's no the mama corn. <laughs> I
0: don't well, understand it. I don't know. <laughs> So, you all probably weren't expecting to pop on our Ghost Story podcast and hear us talk all about corn and tell some corny corn jokes. Pop on. Yeah, that's what you're going to hear today. And not only is Iowa the largest producer of corn in the U.S., when corn is a huge crop here in the States, it is in absolutely everything you can buy in this country. It's in baby formula, it's in Tylenol, it's in your pudding, it's in your yogurt. Corn, corn, corn. And it's in your moonshine, as we just learned from that Rocky Top song. Just about every commercial
1: beverage that's sweetened, sweetened with corn. Yeah. With corn.
0: But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're talking about corn because it is that time of year where local farmers will bring tourists into their fields and make a little extra money by creating a corn maze. Mm-hmm. And that's maze spelled M-A-Z-E, but sometimes they like to
1: get a little punny and spell it M-A-I-Z-E. <laughs> it seems like around the origin of corn mazes, every single one was a pun, which yes, I love. I love exactly. it, It's a tradition based on puns.
0: So what we're going to do for you today in this special bonus episode is Diana is going to give you a history of corn mazes and how they got started. Mazes in general. I don't know what she's going to talk about. All I know about mazes is that scene from The Shining where Jack Torrance is like frozen to death in the maze. And then after she's done, I'm going to tell you about some corn superstitions and some old folklore remedies and how you can use corn to predict how your day, how your year, even how your death might go. So, Diana,
1: I give you the corn studded floor. (laughs) (laughs) So the history of maize mazes actually kind of disappointed me because what I found about it after researching for quite a while on the internet, and of course, I only have the internet at my disposal because I haven't actually left the house in 12 years. The (laughs) internet says that corn mazes were only invented Just a very, very, very small amount of time ago. I assumed, oh, the corn maze, surely that's something that early settlers would have set up before there was like music and dancing and stuff. You got a corn maze to entertain yourselves, right? Before there was like electricity and... Wi-Fi. And Nintendo switches and stuff. I thought, well, this has got to be at least a, a couple hundred years old, right? No. So the earliest publicized corn maze in the United States that I was able to find was a clipping from the Indiana Gazette on Wednesday, June 16th, 1982 which mm. puts them at just older than Diana. <laughs> It was very brief from a family farm called the Greenland Family Farm in Kutchug, New York. And they had developed a maze carved out of a crop of corn that had just grown unusually tall that year for no apparent reason. They decided to cut it into a maze and they called it the Maze Maze. Because, like I said, this is a tradition based on puns. However, there in the Indiana Gazette, the clipping had but two sentences about this Maze Maze told us about the farm told us about the unusually tall corn. Then the second sentence specifically said, this type of maize is growing more popular this time of year Mm. on small family farms. And so my suspicion is that ever since there's been corn on a farm and a way to cut it down mechanically, there's been corn mazes in areas where they grow corn. And in fact, the other place I was able to find a very large popularity of corn mazes, other than the United States, was in the Czech Republic. Oh, interesting. So check, people also appreciate a good corn maze. <laughs> the corn maze, as we kind of know it today, was a response to some very severe floods in the early 90s. And a student at Lebanon Valley College, LVC in Pennsylvania, she worked with an English maze designer named Adrian Fisher and a Disney World theater producer named Don France to create... The first intentional large-scale corn maze. And they titled it?
0: The Maze Maze?
1: The Amazing Maze Maze. <laughs> <laughs> Although it was informally known as Cornelius the Cabassaurus because it was in the <laughs> shape of a dinosaur.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. So there's actually a student who got these two people together to do it because most sources I found never mentioned
1: her. Joanne Marks it's because she was a student the students never get credit in the in the citation anyway Joanne got Don and Adrian together to design this first intentional large scale corn maze in the United States specifically as a fundraiser for those people who had lost their corn crops and other crops to this massive flooding this maze was designed in 19 92 and 93, which, <laughs> again, why isn't it older? It was older, but just people weren't talking about it because it was just something that people did when they were small little farms, I guess. But the amazing maze, maze sat on three acres of land and had 1.92 miles of pathway, which mm-hmm. at the time allowed the Guinness Book of World Records to certify it as the world's largest corn maze of the time. And the proceeds were donated to the Red Cross to aid the disaster victims from the floods. They earned, and this is $1993, they earned $32,000 in two weekends. I hope that helped. Do you know how much Mm -hmm. they charged? A buccaneer? No, I'm kidding. Um, It was was a $5 fundraiser to go through the maze and get lost and have fun. I would spend
0: $5 to go through the first amazing maze maze. I know that you said you've never been through a corn maze, Diana, which I find shocking. I'm afraid. And I I will be dragging her
1: through a corn maze. You'll be surprised because I won't let go of your hand after you drag me in.
0: So in a month, if we get a 1,000 followers on TikTok, you can watch it on TikTok Live, I will be dragging Diana through a corn maze, kicking and screaming, and it'll, it'll be a lot of fun, because I do, I do them every year. It's just something I do. But I've taken people that have like had like panic attacks on them before, and as somebody who suffers panic attacks
1: regularly, I just laugh. <laughs> it does take a quite a bit of planning to create a corn maze. It's not something you can just do kind of willy-nilly, like oh, this corn just happened to grow in a maze pattern. So,
0: so it's not like a crop circle where you can just do it.
1: Like it's an not alien exactly come down in the middle of the
0: night and do it in a heartbeat.
1: Well, but maybe that's what inspired the first corn maze. Crop circles. Let's talk about mazes and the history of mazes because we're going to tie back to crop circles here, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps in theory. Uh-huh. <laughs> it bummed me out so much that the history of corn mazes only went back to 1982 in written history that that bummed me a lot. And if anybody has written history about corn mazes before 82, 1982, specifically, not any previous 82s, let me know, because I really thought that it would be older than that. But the maze itself is much, much older. I know, you know, Becky, with your oh, yeah. archaeology passions.
0: Is the myth of the labyrinth with the Minotaur. And Theseus must (laughs) slay the Minotaur and save himself and that girl. Isn't
1: that that girl? That girl girl actually saved Theseus. Yes, that's true. She saved Uh, him. The idea of mazes as we know them today was kind of developed and popularized by the ancient Greek myths. Technically, there's a difference between the word maze and the word labyrinth. And if you can indulge my little goth polyglot I'm whims sorry. for a second. These is referred to multi pathway puzzles, where there are multiple paths you can choose to take one way or the other, and it's more of a puzzle with a choice. Whereas a labyrinth is a single path, unicursal pattern. So it's a single path that winds around and it has a single entrance, and then a dead end, and then you backtrack, generally speaking.
0: In the end, there can be only
1: one. In the end, there can be only (laughs) one way out. Yes. (laughs) And strangely enough, most of the time it's facing south in antiquity and modern times. But anyway, (laughs) that's going to play into something we talk about later. What we're talking about is the ancient Greek tale of the Minoan civilization. And this is an island of Greece called Crete. Of course, you know Crete, but this is maybe like around a thousand years before the ancient Greek civilization started telling these tales. They're telling the tales about the people on Crete. A Minoan king, known as King Minos, because, you know, name your people after your king or your king after your people. He had a bebe that was born half bull, half human, with a zombie-like hunger for human flesh because he offended the gods.
0: Well, his wife kind of had a proclivity for a. Uh, she had an appetite that was unusual. That does
1: offend the gods in several world religions. So Well,
0: and also apparently she, uh, yeah, she did it with an animal.
1: So yeah, yeah. so after the donkey show, <laughs> he gave way to this horrible creature that came out of his wife. And he said, but it's my son. I cannot punish him. I cannot kill him. And so he decided he was going to have to trap him away from the Minoan people because his son always trying to eat the people. So he hired Daedalus to build this complex, confusing underground labyrinth to hide his son, which we know is is the Minotaur, of course, where he can live, but not disrupt society. And then he still has to eat. He's got to eat people. (laughs) So, while the son is living in this underground labyrinth, they send men and women into the labyrinth. So the Minotaur can eat them. Was it seven youths and seven maidens or something Jeez. like that are
0: selected from the population? Have to be a virgin, so you know an easy way to get out of that one. And <laughs> yeah. And they're sent um, down into the
1: labyrinth to be eaten by the Minotaur. This legendary hero, Theseus, he volunteers this tribute. He travels to King Minos' labyrinth and immediately falls in love with the princess The princess, who shall not be named again, because she's female, she hides a sword somewhere in the labyrinth, so that when Theseus goes into the labyrinth as tribute to be eaten by the Minotaur, he can cut down, I think he just ended up, like, stabbing the Minotaur to death.
0: Yeah, yeah, he stabbed the Minotaur. So, her name was
1: Ariadne. Oh, Ariadne, okay. I know the story of Ariadne. I didn't connect it between the two for some reason. Yeah, so she left
0: a sword for him. And I believe she's also the one that told him to take string and use it as a way to chart his pathway
1: through the labyrinth. Because this wasn't a labyrinth. It was a maze.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So he could find his way out again. So he got to the center. He killed the Minotaur. Everybody's freed. He follows the string back out. Sorry, I didn't mean to take over for you. You're fine. He goes to Ariadne and she's like, ah! killed the minotaur and saved everyone. My brother. Like, Half brother. Yeah. Oh, well, and then he's like, okay, um, bye. And he abandons her. <laughs> because heroes. <laughs> right. You can't tie them down. <laughs> That's okay. Dionysus or Bacchus, as he was known, You know if you ever heard of the Bacchanalia in ancient Rome. That guy, mm. the guy with the graves around his head, he found Ariadne and he was like, hmm, hey, cutie. And he married her. So she was no longer abandoned. She got somebody
1: better. (laughs) Somebody far (laughs) sluttier.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so Ariadne was
1: Minos' daughter, correct? Yeah, the princess. Okay. King (laughs) Minos' daughter, yeah. The sister of the Minotaur. So this is a legend, a Greek legend about the Minoan culture. However... In the early 20th century, archaeologist Sir Arthur Evans actually uncovered the remains of this labyrinth of Knossos, (gasps) and it's suspected to be the remains of the actual labyrinth built by King Minos, so it might be based on some truth. They did not uncover a Minotaur skeleton Bummer! That was gonna be my next question. I know. As an archaeologist, that would have been like I'm retiring. I found a Minotaur skeleton. I'm done. (laughs) This is this is all I need to do with my career. Wow, Diana. So that's
0: fascinating. So they actually found a labyrinth in Crete.
1: Apparently the location and the age of it indicated it may be the labyrinth of legend. And when was this discovered? Uh early 20th century. Oh, that's why he's a Sir. Yeah, (laughs) they don't knight archaeologists anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you never went through with your degree, I see.
0: Yeah. I'm not getting
1: knighted, Sir Becky, no, (laughs) never mind.
0: (laughs) What else do you have to tell us about mazes?
1: Mazes are very tightly tied in with cultural meaning. Thereof. Okay. So when you're talking about the labyrinth and the myth of the labyrinth, the ancient Greeks kind of saw a labyrinth as obstacles symbolizing the obstacle of the journey of life and self discovery. It's a symbol that you look within yourself, go inside, challenge yourself, and then come back out into the world in a way that you have changed the ancient romans were using mazes just for pure entertainment and then in a lot of medieval europe there were garden mazes used to entertain guests at parties and medieval monks would meditate by either walking or crawling through mazes yeah i don't know maybe because they were made with really short hedges at the time (laughs) (laughs) really tall monks (laughs) But <laughs> strangely, around the same time, about 4,000 years prior to today, many cultures on many different continents also came up with the idea of the maze Round about that same exact time. Cultures that had no contact with each other. In Africa, about 4,000 years ago, in Egypt, there was a temple precinct, the III of the 12th dynasty, built 12 separate courts facing each other and connected them with a strange series of corridors, colonnades, and shafts, crisscrossing alleys, sealed with strange false doors, all to kind of create a, a little labyrinth to the entrance Of the pyramid chamber of the king.
0: That makes sense. The Egyptians actually, it was an anti-grave robbing tactic. The whole Mm. purpose was to try and thwart grave robbers. So they would create false entrances. They would create false doors just to protect the actual
1: gold that was in the center. But
0: as we know, they always found a way anyway.
1: Well, some people found a way. Many entered, one will leave, right? (laughs) (laughs) How many corpses did they step over? Nobody knows. In Asia, there were several findings of prehistoric petroglyphs, so even older, in Goa and southwest India, with similar patterns to the medieval European labyrinths cave art in northern India and on a shrine also in India. Lots of Indian labyrinths that are even older. Around the same time as the appearance of the Greek labyrinth stories, there was actually a Native American story about Tahano O'odham labyrinth featuring the man in the maze, which is fascinating because when you look at it, it's very, 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 Very similar to other labyrinth patterns at the time. So there are specific labyrinth patterns. The most relevant one, the most common labyrinth pattern is the seven circuit labyrinth. It's shaped kind of like a mushroom with the pathways, not quite concentric circles, but it just, you wind clockwise, counterclockwise, clockwise, counterclockwise around the outside, around the inside, around the middle, and you get to a dead end, and then you backtrack to the single entrance exit point. And there's seven of the pathways that you go around. Mm -hmm. It's known today as the Cretan Labyrinth. And it's suspected that the reason the seven circuits became so popular, is possibly because they had something to do with the sun, and were used as a calendar, perhaps, because of the way the doors all face the, the same basic direction the pattern of the sun would help you determine some shadow coming in the labyrinth that's a less popular theory however intriguingly the shape of the popular seventh circuit labyrinth actually does mirror the motion of the planet mercury in the sky (laughs) over long periods Uh which i find fascinating so was that the inspiration or is that just a coincidence well i don't think it's a coincidence and here's why First Nations people in the Americas, they created that exact 7 Circuit Labyrinth. Oh. It's, it's the same pattern, the exact mm-hmm. same pattern. When you look at both so the Cretan Seventh Circuit Labyrinth and the Tohono O'odham Labyrinth, no, they both have the same exact shape. They probably were all looking at the same celestial body. So both mirror Mercury.
0: Well, maybe they really wanted to make sure that they knew when Mercury retrograde was happening. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Also, this is actually a really common theme that we see throughout cultures where they'll kind of develop the same structure around the same time or develop agriculture around the same time, that kind of thing. But it's fascinating, I think, that so many cultures from so many different regions will create the same thing with absolutely no contact from one another unless there actually was contact and we don't know Mm -hmm. about it.
1: There's so much we don't know. So part of the contact theory that I like... That you just mentioned was the oldest existing stone labyrinths are today found on Bolshei-Zayatsky Island in the North Islands of Russia. There are still 35 Neolithic labyrinths surviving locally. They're called Babylons dating back to as early as 3000 BC, significantly older than these ancient Greek African American and Indian labyrinths. Whenever you say like, oh, the islands of Russia, you kind of think of like, well, maybe there is a crossover here between Asia, Europe and the Americas. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, perhaps, like you said, perhaps they're, they're less disparate than we think. People were crossing over all the time, just because they
0: didn't write it down, doesn't mean it didn't happen.
1: The longest hedge maze in the world currently, I believe, which is 1.7 miles long. It is made, Ow! it is located in Longleat, which is probably pronounced some other way because it's in England. It's made with 16,000 English yew trees, which I just killed one of in my garden that I planted out front, oh, uh, earlier this year. You given
0: it to England and they could have had
1: 16,001. I know. So sad. In the center of the Longleat, Maze is a large observation tower, so you can watch other people bumble around, I suppose, or game plan for how to get the hell out of this place. It was designed in 1757. The most elaborate natural maze in the world at the Dole Pineapple Plantation in Hawaii, (laughs) which has won multiple Guinness World Records. It is designed out of pineapples. It is in the shape of a pineapple covers three acres and has two and a half miles of pathways constructed from thousands of pineapples. And then the oldest surviving hedge maze. It was built in 1690, Palace of King William III and Mary II of England. It's the oldest hedge maze that still exists today. It is merely a half mile in length. However, is still very fancy. Oh, I bet. Uh, I'm curious if perhaps corn mazes were an answer to hedge mazes. Oh, yeah. Simply because corn is a more popular crop to grow in the States. It grows faster, too. It grows faster, but also it is impermanent. So you'll never find a corn maze that was built in 1690. So I never really did get back around to crop circles, but I was going to posit that possibly crop circles are what inspired The same exact pattern of labyrinth in multiple countries and continents across the world. Do you think? Do you think that's possible?
0: Okay, so instead of having contact with each other or looking at the skies, maybe they all had contact with a third party. They came down in a little saucer shape that could look like a mushroom on its own, you know, with the light streaming (laughs) down, and landed. Anything's possible, right? (laughs) Anything's possible. Well, I cannot wait to drag you through a corn maze, and it sounds like I will be dragging you through one. Mm -hmm. If you haven't heard already, Diana and I are going to be together for two weeks here in Atlanta in October. It's a beautiful time to be in Atlanta. Atlanta's a super haunted city. We're going to be doing a lot of fun
1: things. Among them, corn mazes, haunted corn mazes. Oh, I forgot to mention Hampton Court Palace with the oldest hedge maze. Super haunted. Oh, super haunted. All those monks that were crawling around that got lost. (laughs) Which technically means, I guess it's technically a haunted hedge maze.
0: Haunted hedge maze. Perhaps.
1: Depending on whether the ghosts stay inside or not. We've
0: heard about mazes. Let's hear about corn. Now, corn has so much folklore attached to it. And because it has so much folklore attached to it, I'm just going to stick to the Americas. Because I could do an entire episode on just corn in Ireland and If you haven't heard, I'm going to Ireland next week. So I am trying to learn as much as I can about the folklore there. Stay tuned because I will be sharing a lot on our Patreon and on Instagram about my adventures there. And hopefully I'll see some ghosts. I'm going to be spending a lot of time in abandoned castles. So that being said, not going to cover Irish folklore right now. I'm just going to cover folklore about corn in the Americas. So, let's get started here. Diana, did you know that there's a corn moon? A corn moon. Well, that makes sense. You know, how there's a harvest
1: moon and a beaver moon and a strawberry moon. The corn moon must certainly be like in summer sometime, right? Mm -mm. No. No?
0: So, the corn moon only occurs every three years,
1: which is interesting.
0: We did not have one this year. Usually, we have what's called the harvest moon. The full moon in September is called the harvest moon. I'm not going to go into why it's called the harvest moon, because I think that's pretty obvious. But (laughs) every three years, the moon occurs really early in September as opposed to later in September, closer to the equinox. You know, when it occurs closer to the equinox, like it did this year, we just had a full moon on September 10th. The equinox is on the 22nd. That's only 12 days. It was known as the harvest moon. But every three years, it's like right at the start of September. And that's when it's called the
1: corn moon. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Why the difference then?
0: Well, because it's a little too early to be a harvest moon, but it's a good time for corn. Ah, There you go. That's that's what I got. And it also comes from Native American traditions. So many different nations called it a corn moon. They did had slightly varying ways of describing it, but it was a corn moon. And as you know, most of our moon names come from First Nations, how they refer to them. A few come from European folklore, but a lot of it comes from Native American terms. Let's talk about corn in the Americas. And these traditions are steeped very heavily in Native American stories and lore that has just seeped into the entire culture here. Doesn't matter where you're from. If you live in these areas, you probably follow some of these folklores. So Eastern US, the First Nations have a lot of different stories about the corn mother.
1: That's who Mama Corn is. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's baby corn, popcorn, and silu. Well, that's specifically in Cherokee. It's
0: silu. Silu is a Cherokee name for the corn maiden or corn mother. She's referred to in both. There's several legends about how she brought corn to the peoples. One, in what I thought was interesting, is that she was always feeding her family corn every meal, but they didn't know where she was getting it. And Uh-oh. so one night they spied to see what was going on, and she took off her robe and her skin was covered in all these gross scabs. And as she flaked them off, that became corn. And that's what oh. she said to her family. Oh, and no. they were so disgusted by it that yeah. they were like, Well, we can't we can't eat this anymore. What are we gonna do? And so, as a solution, she said, Okay, well, kill me and then drag my body. All over the land and everywhere my corpse touches the land, corn will grow.
1: Did they do it? Yeah, they did it. So, so, it was rhetorical. Seriously, she didn't want them to actually kill her. (laughs) What? (laughs) They could have just put that corn in a jar and sold it to Rocky Top
0: right? (laughs) To this day, all cultures in the Americas where corn grows often will have some tradition of honoring the corn mother or the corn maiden, however you want to refer to her. Particularly in the East Coast, you'll see portions of cornfields that are not mowed down. You'll see the whole cornfield harvested. And then there'll just be like a, a section of stalks in the middle. They're still up. And this is a way of making an offering to the corn mother. And doesn't matter where you're from, what you believe. This is just a time-honored tradition. People have always done it. People, especially here in the mountains, get very superstitious. If that's just something you do, that's just something you do. You leave a little bit untouched. And then some farmers will even take parts of that corn from the harvest and bury it again as an offering to the corn mother. And in the Ozarks, it's popular at least among First Nations cultures and descendants, to spread cornmeal on a corpse before burying it. So it's also kind of mimicking that idea of putting corn back into the ground as an offering to the maiden, to the mother. That's kind of some traditions that come from some of the nations that lived in those areas. Then we get in Appalachia, where I live. Here's where it gets weird because <laughs> we're we're just we're just weirdos and corn's an interesting crop. People think it's a vegetable. It's not a vegetable. It's a grain, but it tastes like a vegetable. It's is it bad for you? Is it good for you? Is it a starch? Is it a fiber? I don't know. Corn is very important in Appalachia. Just about everything in Appalachia, you do it wrong, someone's gonna die. And this happens with corn too. If you're planting corn and you accidentally miss a row while you're planting it, you just killed someone. Someone in your household's gonna die that year. Just, oh, boom. Yeah. <laughs> so don't miss a row. Just, Goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just, like a lot of Appalachian traditions are like that. That's probably the reason I'm so superstitious and I like, backtrack and have to go in the same door I went out and don't put my shoes in the wrong because somebody's gonna die if you do it wrong Uh. oh my god it's always somebody's gonna die so that's that's an Appalachian one if you see kernels like corn kernels spread on the ground as you're walking home that means you're gonna get a visitor but if you kick them aside or you brush them aside or if you bury them Because you're going to just bury corn. You're like, "Oh, some kernels. Let me bury it. That means that your visitor is going to be a stranger. And, you know, that can always be ominous. So maybe just leave the corn there. Let the chickens get it.
1: So in other words, if you happen upon some corn in the road, don't pick it up and bury it. Right. Obviously, I never would have thought to do that.
0: (laughs) You can cure kidney infections by making a tea out of corn silk. Corn silk is the hair, the hair on the ears. You know, they hear hairy corn ears. Yes. They grow out the top. If you've ever shucked corn yourself, you know what corn silk is. In fact, I did a video on TikTok pretty recently about how to dry out corn husks to make your own corn husk doll's. Which is also a very big Appalachian tradition. It's a tradition in a lot of cultures. I used to make corn husk dolls all the time as a kid. In Appalachia, they'd make corn husk dolls because they were too poor to have real dolls. But in a lot of other cultures... It was used in witchcraft. Ooh. You could use it as a poppet. You could stab it. You could burn it. You could curse it. You could stuff it with the fingernails or the hairs of your enemy. You can do all <laughs> sorts of things with a corn husk
1: doll. Yeah. You could just be like, oh, no, no, no. Those, those, are, those are corn silk. It's not her hair. I'm not yeah, trying to you- curse anybody. What What witchcraft? <laughs> this was something
0: that I did a lot as a child. Witchcraft with corn? No, making corn husk dolls. Oh, okay. Not intentional witchcraft. You take the husks, let them dry out. You can do this in an oven, just very low oven for hours. And then you, you save the silk because the silk makes great hair. And you make corn husk dolls. And we would even like draw faces on them with her various implements, usually a Sharpie. Did you ever braid the silk hair? I'm sure I've tried to at some point. It's hard.
1: I wonder if you had what you've called it, cornrows. Oh, God. Just asking.
0: (laughs) All right, let's move on before we come with any other. I got to tell you about the medicinal purposes here. Okay, so take that corn silk. If you're not going to use it in a doll, then you can use it and make a tea, get rid of your urinary tract infection or what other kidney problems you're having. Is
1: this magic or is this actual like folk cures?
0: This is just folk. This is folklore, and I don't think it works. Folklore, folk magic and cures, all that. Still still magic, because it's not really based in (laughs) fact. Like this (laughs) next one. Okay, this is definitely. So if you have warts, right? (laughs) Let me tell you, I got a lot of warts as a kid. I don't know if it was just because I was constantly playing with things I shouldn't have been or what. (laughs) But I always had warts. Maybe I just touched a lot of toads. way you get rid of warts is... You cut them open, you get some of the blood from the wart, and you rub it on corn kernels, and then you feed the kernels to chickens.
1: Oh, and then the chickens develop a taste for human blood, and this is where vampires come from. Vampire chickens, at least. Vampire chickens, all right. (laughs) I don't know anything about farms. This seems plausible. Is that plausible? I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, finally, in Appalachia, we like to look at our crops all the time, cut them open, look at the seeds, look at the way they grow, and it will tell you how your year's gonna go. Oh, kinda like reading your tea leaves. I guess it's kind of based on the idea that the crop may know more than you, like how much water is it getting? Okay, right. so maybe that's a determination of how like the, the winter's gonna go or how the it's it's very almanacky kind of stuff, right? Like so the idea with corn is if the husk is a lot longer then the corn cob itself, you're in for a shitty winter. Oh, really? Yeah. Finally, in conclusion, do not burn any part of your corn unless you want to bring on a drought. Oh, mm. no. Yeah. I imagine yeah. corn husks burn fairly well. I'm sure it makes great tinder for that bonfire, which is a great thing to have this time of year. There's a reason. There's a health reason.
1: Really? What happens when you burn corn? Corn burning or corn husk burning poses health and environmental hazards. The smoke from the burning husk irritates the eye. The smell of burning corn husk induces difficulty breathing in some people. Burning corn crop waste does release a ton of CO2. So it's going to cause some climate issues.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is one of these folk magic traditions is actually real?
1: Might be based in actual things? I know what I'm doing next time I get a wart. (laughs) So, folks, don't,
0: don't burn your corn waste. Don't burn your corn waste. Bury it in the ground as an offering for the corn maiden. Yeah. Or make things out of it, like a corn cob pipe or a corn husk doll. Feed for your chickens.
1: Especially if you feed them. Wart-blooded. wart bloody corn. <laughs> wart <bloodied. laughs>
0: I bet you didn't know or realize you wanted to know, or you didn't want to know, all that stuff about
1: corn and maize and mazes. I'm very happy that you taught me so much about corn. Yes. And hated loves. <laughs> Whether you're as corny as Kansas in August, or you're as high as an elephant's eye, I hope you have an eerie day. <laughs> oh
0: God, you didn't. Deep in the bowels of Oklahoma exists a passageway that has remained locked for decades, untouched by mortals. We don't know why it was sealed nearly a century ago, but we are thirsting to find out. So thirsty. Do you have the same insatiable curiosity as us to see what lies beyond its
1: threshold? On September 24th, 2023, we will unveil the shadows together via livestream as we open this sealed passageway, slaking our thirst for arcane knowledge. And we want you to be there with us. Virtually, of course. This may be dangerous. We don't have liability insurance. Oh, my eye!
0: But what will we find? Is this passageway a sealed tomb? A hideaway for treasure? A portal into another dimension? Maybe it's
1: aliens. Even we won't know until September 24th, and you can be there to discover the secrets with us. Visit homespunhaints.com basement to RSVP for this event, and find out how you can participate in this interactive adventure with us.
0: As long as there's darkness to explore,
1: we shall remain its loyal devotees. RSVP now, and immerse yourself in the abyss of the unknown. That is Diana's Diana's Basement.
0: (laughs) Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement.